Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Monday Night Therapy with John and Todd. And some other guy joined us. Some guy, uh, Aaron Rastostakoski, whose name I constantly butcher. (laughs) And we're going to be spending tonight talking about baseball season because, because, well, baseball season just ended. And let's be honest, there is not a lot of football stuff going on. Should we cover the football stuff too right away, Todd, so people can feel like, you know. Yeah, well, (laughs) um, yeah, let's talk a little bit of football and then we can spend the balance on baseball. I mean, that's that's what we're here to do tonight. Um, But there is a little bit of football news. What, What news do you have in football, Todd? Well, you know, I've been, I was not around last week. And I guess in the meantime, you know, ever, you know, there were some Nebraska fans that were trying to wipe the stink off of Dylan Rayola, you know, and, and uh, the fact that he decided to leave to Georgia, but it didn't take Matt Rule very long to uh, jump into uh, the sweepstakes for Danny Kalen. That's probably not accurate because he had committed to Mizzou. But as soon as it became apparent that uh, Rayola was going to go to Georgia, um, I don't. It must not have been a, a secret that uh, if that happened, then Kalen would decommit from Missouri and make himself available um, to come to, uh, to come to Nebraska. Um, and then the more you read about it, um, you know that that's where he wanted to be all along, and. Um, so now he's in that Elite 11 camp, which is a pretty impressive thing. So, um, uh, you know, good on good on Matt Rule pulling in another quarterback uh, with that 2024 class. Somebody's mic is picking up people screaming in the background and all sorts of buzzing. I figured you could hear some of that. <laughs> I don't know what's happening upstairs, but it sure isn't getting ready for bedtime, it doesn't seem like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, you know, I guess I've talked about, I think I talked about Thursday night, we talked about Danny Kalen and committing to Nebraska. And uh, the one thing I brought up Thursday night is this. Danny Kalen seems like he's more of a drop back passer. And then people, you know, with the guy we have now that's going to be our starting quarterback is Jeff Sims. And he's not a complete drop back passer. He's more of a dual threat guy. So, I mean, what does this say? I know that people want the Danny Kalen kid to come in because they want the two receivers from, what is it, Bellevue West? You yeah, know, that are really high, highly rated. But I I guess I saw Adam Carricker put out a video that said, what Jeff Sins tells us about Matt Rule's offense. And when I looked at that and I think about the fact that they just recruited a guy that's different than Jeff Sims, I thought, well, it doesn't tell us a damn thing other than he can modify it over time to fit the players he has, maybe. And I guess all this stuff is a long ways off anyway. So, Well, Dylan Rayola was not the same. Dylan Rayola was a dr- more of a drop-back guy. Right. So, you know, I, I think what it is is, is that, um, you know, Jeff Sims might be, you know, the best quarterback that was available you know, and, and Rule was able to get him, you know, out of the portal. And based upon the fact that there still are quite a few players that have played in more of a dual threat type of an offense, it could be just kind of a transition. Jeff Sims may be the one that's in place while they build, you know, the rest of the offense because he's got some experience, he's got some skills, um, you know, who knows. But, um, you know, it's – it's a win for Matt Rule, as far as I'm concerned, because Danny Kalen, I mean, the fact that he's invited to that elite 11, um, the, the fact that he's invited to that 
puts him in, you know, a, a high level, you mm-hmm. know, the high level category of quarterbacks from that class. And, um, you know, he's not Dylan Rayola, but, um, you know, he must be pretty damn good. And he's a Nebraska kid. And so they've kept a Nebraska kid at home. So I, I think that's a win for Matt Rayola. Or not Matt Rayola, Matt Rule. <laughs> Matt Rule. <laughs> Anything else for football? I think that's about it, isn't it? I mean, I, I've been Aaron and I have been doing baseball. That's all. Right. We've been totally focused in on baseball, so I don't know what else has been going on. Well, the only other thing I bring up is expansion talk, which is all over the place about the Big Ten inviting like uh, Oregon and Washington. Which you know, if the Big Ten was going to expand, Oregon, Washington might be decent teams to expand with. Uh, I also see people talking about bringing in Stanford and Cal. They're not bringing in Stanford and Cal. Why the hell would they bring in Stanford? I know people are going to respond and go, well, it's the academic things. We don't need academic schools in an athletic conference, and that's what the Big Ten is now. I don't know if you've noticed, but everything about this stuff has shifted away from like, well, we want to be about academics too. Oh, crap. We're losing money left and right in our athletic departments despite having huge TV contracts. We're in massive debt all over the place. We need teams that will watch people who will watch football teams and compete at football because that's going to pay all our bills. So, you know, we're not – Stanford and Cal are not joining the Big Ten, and none of this stuff is happening this year. And we're all talking about – I, I on Twitter constantly, and there's people with inside sources about expansion, and I just it, – it's not happening. It's not happening by fall, so who cares? Am I being, am I, is that like a crappy attitude? (laughs) That's, that's kind of my attitude. Who cares? And you know, why worry about those West coast teams? I mean, if you're going to expand, you got Clemson and Florida state down there. I'd go after those two, you know, I mean, it sounds like the ACC is looking to implode or at least there's five or seven teams in the ACC, you know, that want to, uh, you know, make some kind of decisions because of their piss poor television contracts and stuff. You know, there's a, now that they have uh, expanded the playoffs to 12 teams, um, I think that there's some renewed levels of uh, anxiety among, you know, some schools that are not in the SEC and not in the big 10. So there's there's going to be a lot of talk. We'll see if something happens. Oh, look, it's a comment from regular Linda Wilkins who says, Hey, Todd, why did you punk out last week? <laughs> Linda, I had some family things I needed to take care of last week. Um, they weren't major, but they needed a little bit of attention. And I, uh, I needed to handle some of that stuff last week. So, My All right. <laughs> so... Baseball. Here's my here. I'll just kick this off for you guys. We'll get started. The moment that that Nebraska lost to Maryland for the second time and got eliminated from the Big Ten baseball tournament, and it was clear that we weren't going to make the NCAA tournament without winning the Big Ten tournament. We got responses on Twitter from people that want Will Bolt fired. You guys, I, let's let's just go right into this. You know, because that's the big. I literally, at the first, at the first, uh, at the first series of every season, there is somebody that sends us a message that says they need to fire the pitching coach, or they need to fire the batting coach, or they need to fire the coach. Literally every season, I usually tweet this out at the beginning of baseball season just to get ahead of those people. So, what do you, what do you guys think? What, what kind Take of a time. season? I, I had pulled someone off within probably five minutes of us losing that. Had already asked for Bolt's head. I hadn't even packed up to go down to the press conference yet. But why? Why do you think Bill Will Bolt should stay? I mean, he won a conference championship oh about two years ago. Right now, I think yesterday or the day before was the two-year anniversary of that. So, but he won that down with Darren Erstad's players. Yeah, some of them. He he did fall into. To Schwellenbach, but but beyond that, Todd, 
I, I'm with Aaron. I mean, it's that's one of the most ridiculous things that I've heard. If 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 Will Bolt um, is is uh, does if he's got a weakness, and um, you know, I, I think I think he overall he's a really good coach. If he's got a weakness, at least in the last couple of years, he hasn't been able to bring in uh, guys that are top line pitchers and um, enough of them. Uh, I'll put it that way. Uh, whether it's through the portal or whether, you know, bringing them in as freshmen and then developing them. Uh, when you look at, in, in my opinion, when we were, you know, looking at the best teams in the conference, uh, Iowa and Maryland and Indiana certainly had stronger pitching than Nebraska did. It, 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 I didn't think it was even close. And maybe the development is part of an issue, though, you know, Aaron and I, we've chatted quite a bit about this. I think there's some young arms in that bullpen that I wish, you know, we would have seen more of rather than an inning here and an inning there. Um, you know, and so I don't know. I, I, I don't want to beat up on Jeff Christie. I, I sit here and I think, you know, we got Rob Childress, you know, who is on the staff, um, you know, in a non-coaching role. But Rob Childress is as good a pitching coach as you're going to find in the country. So it, it, that's that's a problem that needs to be addressed and that needs to be firmed up if if Nebraska is going to get uh, to the next level. Um so, you know, that's why I see it. Getting rid of Will Bolt, that's, that's the dumbest thing that I've heard um, anybody say. I mean, that's just stupid. Yeah, so I was bored because I don't like Iowa or Maryland. So I was uh, looking up all of our pitchers that have both come and gone since Bolt's been here, like as either JUCOs or just grad transfers and such, and – Really, I mean, we had Tyler Martin, who was good, both here, and then he went to Southern Miss, I think it was. Bo Blessy was the highest pitching recruit we'd probably ever had. Didn't do anything for us. Now he's a weekend starter for Texas Tech. Braxton Bragg was a closer, an okay closer. Now he's a Friday night starter for a Dallas Baptist team that's, I think, a two-seed in the tournament. And Ethan Bradford went from a guy that was just a so-so guy to he's probably going to get drafted now this year out of Kansas. So guys that were pitchers on our staff excelled other places. That's kind of a a knack, a knock on our pitching coach if they're going that much better when they move yeah. along. And so then I also looked at who's come here and done well. And really, I mean – Roach did better than he did at his previous stop. Cam Wynn was kind of a, about the same. And then uh, Povich and Cody Frank were two Juco guys that did better than they had at the previous stop. But that's really, that's really about it as far as either exceeded expectations or met expectations once they've well, reached our pitching coaches. Well, Kaminska, Kaminska had a good season. Coming in from Wichita State. Yeah, but he was he was kind of supposed to be that because he was a freshman All-American and sure. So what do we so think yeah, of he, that? I mean, is this that let's be honest. Everybody I you guys are better at baseball than I do. That's why I have you. By the way, if you guys watching this didn't pay attention to their baseball coverage at coordination.com, shame on you. Shame on you. Yeah. Um, okay. Everybody I know that is a baseball guy says we need to have a pitching coach who was a pitcher. And Jeff Christie did not play pitcher. He played catcher, right? Yep. Dang good yeah. one, too. Well, I mean, if you, the difference is this. You have Rob Childress, but Rob Childress can't be there at the game, right? He can't be at the game and be one of those guys no. that walks out to the mound. Rob right? Childress is at the game. Rob Childress is in the dugout at games. Okay. Now he, oh, he, he is. is not. 
he is he's not, the loudest one in the dugout. Yeah, yeah. But he is he's not calling pitches. He's not going okay. out to the mound. But I don't know what he's doing in the dugout. I don't know what kind of conversations he's having uh, in the dugout. But you know, um, it's there is something to be said about the development of these guys once we get them. And you know, like Aaron said, you know, you got a kid that was a, a relief pitcher for us. That's a Friday night starter at Dallas Baptist. And, you know, Dallas Baptist, I mean, they got a hell of a baseball program. And so, you know, that tells you a little bit about, you know, the, the, the way our guys are being coached maybe and, um, and developed. I, I, that concerns me a little bit. And, you know, when, when you look at the pitching staff, uh, you know, one of the things that I just was licking my chops at this year was looking at the number of freshman left-handers that we had on our staff that all came in with some pretty good pedigrees. And we ran the top one out, you know, it, it, in San Diego. He was uh, he started, you know, the third game of the season out there. And, you know, he, he's got lightning stuff. I mean, he's got – I mean, he's, he's got stuff. But he got so rattled. I mean, in, in fact, you know, they had him. He started a few more games, and then he, you know, once he gets who's hit, that? Caleb Clark from Canada. Okay, right, all right. And and once he get hit, you know, he just lost all composure. Um, and and they they weren't able. You know, they gave him a few chances later on. They bring him in and you know to throw a little bit of relief and stuff, and it didn't seem like they could ever get him you know, around the corner a little bit so that he could stand out there on the mound and consistently throw strikes and compete. Um, so, I mean, there's work to do with that kid. But they also got, you know, this uh, Gutierrez kid from Texas, and they got Jalen Worthy from Lincoln. But at most we saw those guys, you know, maybe we saw Worthy pitch two innings once, maybe. But usually it was an inning. And, and why weren't we moving some of those guys in? I, I don't know that. Again, I'm not a pitching coach, but God gone it. Michigan State throws out a that uh, uh, kid that they pitched against us. He's a he's a freshman, and you know they rolled him out there. He threw you know what four four and a half six innings against Nebraska. I I don't know. I, that part of it's frustrating for me. Yeah, I think with Clark, it's all it's all mental issues because it's like that's John saw him up in Minnesota strike out the projected number seven overall pick playing for Ole Miss, and then uh, got another guy out, and then gave up like a bloop base hit or something like that, something that shouldn't have happened, and then just kind of spiraled out of control at that point. He's it's all it seems like it's all mental for him. Once we can get him kind of on the right path, I think he'll definitely come back out. But yeah, you're not going to do that unless you're on the mound. Yeah. I mean, it, I, mean I, I didn't get to play baseball much when I was a kid. I had to go to work when <laughs> it's a sad story. My dad died when I was 12 of pancreatic cancer. I literally had to go to work after that to, to buy clothes and shoes and shit. It's uh, you know, that's the way it was in the old days when we were walking uphill both ways in waist deep snow hunting buffalo on our way to school anyway uh i mean it isn't pitching i mean pretty much 98 percent mental i mean you're it's you against a batter that's kind of the sport that's all of it it's literally a pitcher versus a batter and then there's just a bunch of other guys standing around waiting for something to happen so pitching, am i wrong pitching, about that pitching is i would say pitching is more mental than it is physical um, but you still have to be able to locate your pitches and you have to be confident. You have to be confident that uh, you're going to put the ball where it needs to be. Um, you know, Coach Bolt talked when, whenever things went bad for Nebraska this year. And, and I mean, this has been the way he's been ever since he's, he's been the head coach. Um, coach Bolt says, you got to attack the strike zone. You've got to throw strikes. And, 
you know, you get some of those guys that are out there and they won't touch the strike zone because they're scared to death that they're going to leave something in there that's going to get hit out of the ballpark. Um, so, I, yeah, I, there's, there's a lot. Yeah, we heard it a ton of times in the, in the uh, press conferences down there. You'd ask people, well, why, why are you guys doing so good this, pitching this week? Well, I've got the confidence that if I throw a strike in there, no one's hitting it out of the park. So yeah, I can throw the strike uh, and nothing's going to happen. So that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, heck, the kid from the kid from, uh, the kid from uh, 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 Rutgers, that uh, Savakul. That was that's almost a direct quote. He said, "I attacked the strike zone because I knew that it wasn't going to get hit out of the park." Mm-hmm. And Walsh, because yeah, it's Walsh so hard to hit homers all three there of his pitches on both of the plate. Yeah. And didn't matter what he threw, where he threw it, it wasn't going out. And that's how you get a complete game with very few pitches. What do you have? One hundred and four. One hundred and four pitches hit. in a complete you guys game. Guys had that in the fourth inning a few times this year. Yeah, Brody Breck. Brody Breck was pulled in four point two innings earlier and with one hundred and four pitches. <laughs> Linda, Linda Wilkins comes in with, "Yes, you are wrong, John." My God, it's like we're married, Linda. What the hell? <laughs> I'm of the attitude that uh, sports is 98% mental, no matter what sport you're playing. But, uh, you know, because if you don't have the mental attitude, if you don't have confidence, if you don't have, you know, faith in the, your teammates, I mean, pitchers have to have a defense around them. The defense screws up. That screws up. That's got to destroy their confidence a little bit. Uh, okay. Well, you know, I will say this, John. I mean, you're making a really solid point there. And, um, you know, we were in press conferences with, you know, the the coaches from the Big Ten. We didn't. I didn't get to listen to them all, but they consistently talked about confidence, about trust, about, you know, those types of characteristics that, you know, their players exhibited out on the field um, when they were playing. And, um, you know, it's, it is such an incredible, important part of the game. Um, And I I think at times, um, you know, that's, that's, we, we can see it lacking with some of our pitchers. Okay, Blaine Cole comes in with uh, any idea what the average batting average is in college baseball? Aaron's the kind stat of, guy. Um, I looked at the – so there's like 300 teams. I looked at the 150th team to see what they were batting this year. And that would be your Pacific close, 279. 279? Huh? Huh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you don't know baseball, John. You don't well, know I, I covered it for a while before you guys came along. I used to know what whip meant, but, you know, a lot of that stuff went away a little while ago. <laughs> Plus, I have you guys, and you guys can actually remember everybody's name, and I, I really struggle with that part of it. Okay, so define this for me so that I can tell other people because I'm mouthier than either of you put together. Did Nebraska have a good year? A crappy year, an average year. Where do you what? What did Nebraska do? I think well, based on all the preseason stuff, they pretty much met expectations because we were picked what fifth. Yeah, were we ahead yeah. of Illinois? I forget. Yeah, fifth in the preseason, I think we were. and ended up fourth by like half a game, and ended up only losing to the top seed in the tournament, and our only losses in the regular season were to the lost the series in Iowa and in Maryland. So that's pretty much about where they thought we'd be, at least conference-wise. Non-conference, boy, we got a lot of work to do there. Yeah. Yeah, what was up with that? I'll go ahead and answer the question, Todd, and then we'll we'll move on to the I would say Nebraska had a good season. Um, You know, they they were 23 and 33 last year. They ended up uh, 33... 23 and one or something, you know, close to that this year. Um, Will Bolt made a a comment uh, during his last press conference that 
I'm I'm still mulling it over. I'm still trying to grasp exactly what it means. But um, he was asked by one of the reporters, so, you know, what, what was the difference this year? You know, what, you know, as you reflect, what did it come down to this year? And he says, well, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you last year. It comes down to five games. He said, he says, the way I believe it, it usually comes down to about five games. And he said, you know, if, if the, if we change the outcome in five of those games, you know, we're a 38 win team and a 38 win team is going to look significantly different, you know, in the eyes of uh, those people making decisions about regionals and, and, you know, five more wins may have adjusted us someplace in the bracket. You know, I don't know, but I'm, I'm still trying. Is there more to that comment than that? I, I don't know, but this team this year could definitely play with the best teams. There was no mm-hmm. question on any given day. Nebraska compete, could compete with the best teams. But what happened in those midweek games with South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Omaha, Creighton, is beyond baffling to me. I don't. I don't have any kind of. I, I don't have okay. an explanation for that. Devil's advocate. He spent the whole season in the midweek games, uh, just playing around with pitchers. That would be my stupid guy comment. That he didn't, well, he didn't know who really... he was going to. He didn't know he was going to throw out midweek, and it was like a testing ground to see if he could develop them for years to come or some damn thing. I don't know. It just seemed like it was chaos. <laughs> he kind of fell into Will Walsh that way when he kind of had run out of with sicknesses and people pitching the weekend before. He kind of had to go to Will Walsh and just happened to catch lightning there. But beyond that, he at towards the end, once he started realizing, man, we're not winning any of these midweek games and by that time it may have even been too late to win the midweek games to change our rpi from the start of the season the way some of those teams played even if we'd have beat them it wouldn't have helped our rpi a ton but he started throwing shannon and hawkins every single night on those midweek games and might help you win it should have helped us win didn't always help us win but didn't really help us for next year and helping the guys that todd already talked about gutierrez and worthley and Clark, usually in the past, we'd see those guys midweek games to see how they're going to handle weekend games in the in the future. James Boardman yeah. says crappy midweek gimme games killed men, killed them. And I think that's the attitude that so many baseball... Listen, I don't think there's any doubt that Nebraska has very, very passionate baseball fans. We have, compared to, well, compared to the Big Ten Conference, we sure as hell have more fans than pretty much the rest of them put together with the exception of Maryland. Maybe Rutgers because they came from the ACC where they actually play baseball and give a shit. But... uh, I mean, we have a passionate fan base, and that's why people get frustrated, and that's why they say, oh, fire that guy. But I don't know. I kind of look at this season, and, and that's the thing that still sticks with me is losing the North Dakota State, for God's sakes, and Omaha. What the fucking yeah. – I, I, you know what? I Honestly, I would listen to those games for a while, and I'd, I'd just get so tense and pissed off. I'd just shut off the Greg Sharp on the Huskers app. And uh, I, you know, I'd listen. I, that's why I checked Slack and I would go, what's the score? Because, you know, then I could be pissed off some more. <laughs> and I'd, most of the time, teams like Kansas State, uh, South, South Alabama, and even Omaha recently and Creighton recently have helped our RPI. So, the, But even if we would have beat them this year, their RPIs were so terrible, I, I don't think – wins even in that would have helped our RPI any. So while it's a, it just sucks losing to them. I don't put a whole lot of stock in actually beating them, helping our, our season get into like the NCAAs or anything like that. Yeah. You know, and there's, 
you know, Kansas State was a bubble team. You know, they were one of the first four out that didn't make the regionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Nebraska's consistently played Kansas State, you know, in, in midweek games. It makes sense. It's a, a short bus ride right. away. Um, but, you know, Aaron and I were talking. It wasn't e- either of our ideas. It was brought up by, a, I think, a World Herald reporter that, you know, maybe Nebraska needs to look at picking up uh, Missouri for a midweek game. You know, you can bust to Missouri. Um, you know, maybe somehow figure out an Oklahoma State, you know, in the midweek or, or something like that. They, you know, now you sit here and say, well, hell, we can't even beat Omaha. We can't beat North Dakota State. But um, there has to be, there has to be a way that, um, Norm, you know, um, Nebraska, Nebraska can better position themselves. You know, and, and Don, Don Dre, Dre Don Dre comes in with the comment, poor mo- motivation to play small school. Do you think there's anything to that? I think that's a good comment. I I do. I mean, I that team, the Nebraska team just did not look like they were, you know, uh excited to play those games. I don't know, Aaron, maybe you might well, also reverse that. How many of those guys have ever played in front of five, six, seven thousand people before for those little schools. That was the time of their life was coming to play us and get a play in that in that stage. And I mean South Dakota, that one or that one didn't bother me. Those guys have a like a Big Ten batting lineup. We sh- we should have hammered their pitching, but those guys scoring runs on us, that's they might have had the best visiting player to come to uh Hawks field and their catcher. That guy was, he's, he's going to be hear his name on draft day for sure. But yeah, I think, I think motivation both ways. They're definitely elevated to play us with our fans. And we're, we could be experiencing some of the other motivation that we're just going to go in there and rock their freshman pitcher on Wednesday night. But if you don't put in the work, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. When I think of this team, you know, we saw perhaps two of the best players in the last 20 years that have played at Nebraska, Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews. Um, we saw some home state heroes, you know, that, you know, wore their emotions on their sleeve, you know, that overcame adversities and that type of stuff. Kyle Perry, you know, Shea Shanneman. Um, you know, this was a team that was easy to like, in my opinion, easy to like and easy to cheer for, but God dang, there were so many Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you know, I wanted to beat the cat because, you know, or kick the dog. It just, they were just infuriating, you know, do you have a cat? No, but there are dogs above me and below me, so I could have found I could have found a dog. To get. <laughs> wow, oh, a great okay. game below and a German Shepherd above. I might have been in trouble. Those, those dogs would have kicked your ass, Todd. <laughs> I can tell you right from having a dog that's 105 pounds. Great uh, German Shepherd Lab mix. Uh, she just beats the shit out of me most of the time, not the other way around. But okay, we're halfway through this stuff. Let's talk about. Who's gone, and who do we think's coming in? I mean, Shea Shanneman's pitched his last game. Kyle Perry has pitched his last game as a Husker. Uh, who else is – obviously, Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews are probably going to get drafted high enough in the draft that they're going to go, I'm taking the money. And they should because, I mean, if somebody was going to – somebody called me up and said, John, you could quit all that YouTube stuff. Here's a million dollars. I'd go, well – what about Todd? Wait, I wouldn't say that. I just go a million dollars. Fuck that guy. Well, but you know what we I mean. We do know that we do know that CJ Hood apparently is gone because he entered the portal while they were doing mound repair for Shea Shanneman in the Rutgers game. What the hell is that? That's not I mean, a good it, sign, is it? That's not a good sign. Um. Yeah, you know, I mean, here's a kid that's been injured. 
that had gone through rehab and stuff. And, you know, he, he had some quality appearances last year. Uh, hopefully, you know, he would come back and, uh, you know, be effective next year. And Greg Sharp announces that he entered the portal while we had that delay to fix the mound for Shea Shanneman when they brought him back in against Maryland. I mean, what the hell is going on with that? So, <sighs> Linda yeah, Wilkins did, uh... goes in again. It says, uh, it says John, a million dollars is not what it was. was. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I did ribs today. I smoked ribs today. God, you go to the store and you look at the rib prices and you're like, holy shit, what the hell is going on out there? I mean, maybe they should start taking the sickly ribs and just throwing them in there sometimes and say, you can buy sickly ribs for half off. I don't know. But, okay, so who else is gone? Who are we losing? So we, we did have to confirm that Shay Shanneman was leaving because that was the first question after – <laughs> after <laughs> the press when the press conference was ap- after our loss because Jay Shanman had pitched that night, the day against Maryland and then the game before against Maryland coach Vaughn from Maryland just sat down and looked at our assistant SID and goes Shanman graduated right and so he had to he had to confirm that that was indeed the case so he, he didn't have to worry about him anymore but <laughs> yeah we lose him and Perry Emmett Olson could be drafted on the mound. I Kaminska, I don't think he will, but he could be a late round pick. I'm not sure. Um, other than that, we get back. Hawkins will be back for our kind of setup guy, stopper guy, and hopefully Kaminska, Walsh. Uh, Christo needs to take a big leap, and then the, the three young lefties are kind of the base that we're hoping to start with if we can get them all back so i think the mound we should be in pretty decent shape well they're going to go into the portal and they'll bring somebody in the portal and i think yeah they've they've already dipped into the juco ranks uh to bring in some defensive players i guess i don't recall seeing them bring in bringing in a pitcher from the not yet that i've seen yeah They've tried to replace or try and get as many guys to be on the roster to replace Max and and Bryce as they can because, yeah, unless Bryce slipped at the end of the season with that back injury, if that caused concern for people, he may slip a little bit in the draft, but I doubt it. I'm guessing they're both top three, four-round picks at the worst. Charlie Fisher's okay. going to be gone. He was one and done. Were we uh, – will we have an outfield – Next year, yes, we get yeah, our, the even the best outfielder didn't even play this year because he broke his when he broke his collarbone or I forget his shoulder. Yeah, something right before the start of the season. Right, yeah, the who's that? Second to last practice before they started the season. Uh, Brumbaugh from from uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah, he was when he came out of high school. He was a projected second round pick. And went to Oklahoma State and had some issues down there and uh, was a second baseman. And they kind of – Bolt was – we just barely lost out to Oklahoma State on him. And then Bolt, once he saw he was in the portal, gave him a call real, real quick. And so they think he's going to be basically what Jackson Hallmark was and be okay. a infielder that switches to outfield and just excels. You know, if if he'd have been healthy, he would have been the center fielder. Casey Burnham would have had a would have would have yeah. probably played one of the corner positions, and who knows what would have happened with the other ones. But I'm not worried about the outfield next year. Um, you know, if Brumbaugh is healthy, you know you're going to slot him in. Gabe Swanson's coming back. You got you know Caleb Evans tailed off at the end of the year, but you you know uh, Garrett Anglum he'll be healthy hopefully next year um, and. You know, they've got other guys. They've got other guys that they're going to bring in and they're going to bring along. Um, so I'm, I, the outfield's not a place I'm worried about. Um, Is Efry gone? Yeah, yep. my, my okay. Efry's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he was a player. I love Efry. 
I, I, I thought Efry, he played damn good defense. He didn't hit the ball well, right? Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. I think there were a lot of people that did not like him, but I always thought, you know, he was good on he, the he field. He played a big role in our championship run, taking over for Schwellenbach when he would come from shortstop and go pitch. That was yep. always Efry's job. Efry puts the bat on the ball. In fact, he was right around 300 this year when he got hurt um, this year. Now, he wasn't last year, but um, – Right, okay. You know, he always played with a smile on his face. He always played hard. You could plug him in about anywhere. I, You know, I have literally seen him play every position in the infield, you know, first, second, short, and third. Um, you know, just a, just one of those kids that you love to watch play. Um, you know, if, if – we're, we're, we're figuring that Bryce and Max are gone. You know, the, the plan has been to slot Dylan Carey in at shortstop. I don't know. After watching that kid make, you know, golden glove type plays. I mean, he just, uh, Aaron will tell you, my, you know, my jaw hit the, hit the top of the table on uh, a couple of the plays that he made, uh, in the first Maryland game. I just, I just haven't seen anything like that at third base. I'd leave the kid at third base and hope you can bring in someone else to play, to play shortstop. I don't know, but um, he's, he's, he is an amazing defensive player and he has got a cannon in that right arm. I mean, it is just amazing how hard he can throw that ball across the diamond. He's got to grow. I mean, they blew bunt coverage twice. (laughs) against Maryland uh and he was uh I'm, I'm gonna guess I don't know what coverage the call was but I kind of think he messed up <laughs> on one of them uh, but, but he wasn't the only one <laughs> he wasn't the only one so James Boardman comes in with the, this is a little while ago a user comment do they need to hire a team psychologist <clears throat> yeah <laughs> Every baseball they have team should one? have that on. Every, every, every t- I, doesn't Nebraska provide that for all of I them? Think I they've think they've got they yeah, something because I think Bryce said that he utilized that last year yeah. when he was kind of opening up about his, his struggles. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, save that one from Kevin for later. That uh, we will. <laughs> Yeah. Linda Wilkins is commenting on my smoking ribs and said, bought any brisket lately. My family is not, they're not a brisket family. I have only smoked that maybe once or twice. And they were like, eh, we're okay without it. We are not a, we're not a huge meat eater family. So, uh, you know, I don't eat a lot of meat just because of the whole heart attack health thing. And um, there you go. I so no, I haven't I bought have any brisket smoker. lately. I don't have a smoker right now. I've done brisket three times. Two were failures. One was, I would say, a minor success. Uh, I think Aaron's the big, he's the big smoker. So I, I've only Aaron, done brisket he, once. It turned out probably two thirds of it turned out great. One third got a little dry, but I'd call that a success for my, my first time. Yeah. Blaine Cole comes in, lest we forget Roscoe Rhodes and so many others who made the ultimate sacrifice. It is Memorial Day, and Memorial Day is for the ones that never made it out of their uniforms. So uh, thank you, Blaine Cole, for reminding us. Although, honestly, I, I Roscoe Rhodes, I'm, I don't know who that is. And I should you know, probably. I tell you what, uh, you know, and I'll just take a moment here. I, I, I'm not a member of a military family. I had a cousin, you know, that served in Vietnam. Um, I've got relatives three generations back, you know, that were, were military people. Um, but I tell you what, um, Memorial Day is always one for reflection. And uh, I don't know if any of you other folks have seen it on Twitter. But if you haven't, you might want to look it up. There's this um, video that people put up there every year about this time um, where, you know, the people in France who live nearby Normandy um, go to the U.S. cemetery. And uh, if you've seen that live, that's got to be an amazing place. I went to a military cemetery in uh, Luxembourg uh, last fall and not 
not like the ones in Normandy, but nonetheless, um, impressive, I guess, impressive, solemn. But that video shows about how the people from that town, that village nearby, prior to Memorial Day, um, go down to the beach and bring up buckets of wet sand. And they rub the sand into the names of those who gave their lives on the on the marble crosses. And I, I, I don't know, I, that kind of chokes me up every time I every time I see it. And Linda Wilkins says, I'm a retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant. Linda, we thank you. Um, you know, you, you have you have, you have my utmost respect uh, for, for your service. My God, Linda Wilkins, what, what haven't you done, woman? What haven't you done? Okay, uh, let's see what else we got. We'll, we'll see if we had uh, Fred Sacco. I haven't called Fred's name. But uh, Fred Sacco says, heard our former head coach beat the cat after many losses down on O Street the last five years. Let's uh, beat the cat being in quotation. Oh, my God. Okay. One thing I want to point out is that the man-killing mastodons T-shirts are up on the website. So there's one design of man-killing mastodons. I, and then there's uh, this one is kind of like somebody has told me this looks like a metal band. So I, I picked two designs for the man-killing mastodons T-shirts. Uh, go buy them and support us or support me because uh, I need it. I'm I'm starving. <laughs> hey, John. Maybe I can buy uh, some. Maybe I can afford some brisket. <laughs> they uh, they put to, they released the regional rankings today. Um, you know the 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 brackets of sixty four. Aaron, I'm sure you've you've taken a look at them. What are what are your thoughts? Did the Big Ten have a chance of any of the three teams advancing to the super regional or? What's what's your overall view of, of what you saw with the brackets? I haven't looked into them too much. I had a, a busy day. But, uh, yeah, I saw Maryland, their RPI was the worst. They got the worst draw. They're probably not going to make it out. Um, and Iowa, I forget who Iowa had. Iowa's in with uh, oh, Indiana, Indiana State. State. Yeah. So in theory, I haven't paid much attention to Indiana State. I hear all these state teams are really hard to beat in the middle of the week, so we'll see how hard they are on the weekend for Iowa. But then they go to – I think they've got a Arkansas, Arkansas on the other side, which yeah. is always a rough place to play in the postseason, as we all well know. And then who else? What, Indiana. Indiana, where'd they go? I didn't even – remember where they went. I think Indiana's got a little bit tougher run. They're uh, what, the, what the what the hell does a Big Ten conference have to do to I you, Penn State fired their coach or he's not coming back next season. Well, Northwestern remember, used to fire theirs. Well, that guy it looks like he's destroyed their baseball program, so I can't imagine <laughs> they'd keep him around. But I mean, what you what know, does the Big Ten have to do to I mean, let's face it. Let's say Nebraska won their midweek games. You still look at the Big Ten and you go, well, thanks, Penn State, for sucking our RPI into the basement. Same with Northwestern. And this happens every freaking year. Well, let me throw what? something at you. I'm going to just okay. toss this at you. Um, there was there was something that I saw on Twitter, and I've, I've been looking for it again, and I haven't been able to find it, but I found another graphic um, where they, they laid the – average attendance at SEC games right next to average attendance for the Big Ten. So there's 14 SEC teams. How many Big Ten teams do you think had average attendance that would make it into the, the rankings of the, of the uh, SEC? Above number Two. 14. Two. One. One. That's just One. us then. Nebraska, Nebraska would be number eight 
in the SEC with an average, and I'm looking at last year's numbers. 12,000. Average of 5,028. This year it's a little bit lower. Okay. But last year they would have ranked number eight in the SEC. And there's not another Big Ten team that had average attendance at their games higher than the 14th team in the SEC. Number 14 in the SEC is Missouri, and they're the only SEC team that didn't make the top 50. Now, there is one more team, I guess, that would be – excuse me, I I screwed up. Indiana would be above Missouri, but that's the only team from the SEC that Indiana would have ranked above. I mean, Northwestern, average attendance, 216 people. Oh, my God. 216 people. <laughs> so so what, does, what does the Big Ten have to do? They've got one of the most successful television networks in the country for conference networks. But yet we watch replays of the 1984 Ohio State-Indiana football game on Tuesday nights when we could watch Iowa play, if they were on TV on Tuesday night, Iowa might play Missouri on a Tuesday night. You know, That's a good point. We've got, you know, we've got the Big Ten Plus where they've got cameras in every ballpark, but yet – they got student broadcasters. You know, they're set up to do this. And you could you could run baseball games Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, multiple games Friday, multiple games Saturday, multiple games Sunday, and promote the sport. They could do that. And don't tell me that BTN doesn't have the money to make right. that happen. That could easily happen well it just so happens we've got a commissioner coming in that started mlb network so there you he go. should be that should be if not his little number one thing to do that should be his little pet project is getting baseball the you think that'll happen and, yeah i think what, it'll happen when I have asked about this, you know, I think I was at Minnesota game and I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking to somebody from BTN, but they, you know, they had the Minnesota baseball game and they were, what they usually do is they put like GoPro cameras up on the, yep. the rails <laughs> and then they move around to them. But he was saying that the big 10 doesn't like investing in baseball because they spend this money on it and then the weather happens and then they don't get to show the games. And <laughs> How many and like, big yeah. 10 games? How many games is that? How many games is that? It's not that many. They usually no. play. Well, you know how many series we had this year outside of Hawks field where there was instant replay in one in, in the big 10 one. zero. What? Are you serious? None of them had it set up. Yep. That has to be a priority. Again, that has to be a priority. Again, the conference does not invest in baseball. They just don't give a shit. That, and you that, can't have that Rick that Allen really blowing calls left and right and not, not get them corrected. That's that's disrespectful to the game in this day and age. I mean, that, that just that makes no sense. Yeah, things like that have to be corrected. Getting more cameras out there, more recognition for baseball, that should be – and it should be easy for our new commissioner with what he's done in his past. I, I expect to see those, and I expect UCLA and USC to beat that door as well. I would hope so. Right now, right now the Big Ten, I would say they've got four maybe – they got four. They got four top-tier coaches, I think. Um, maybe five. Name them. Heller, Vaughn. Name Owen. the schools too. People don't know this stuff. I don't know this stuff. <laughs> Heller at Iowa. He's the best coach. Heller at town. Iowa. That son of a bitch. Vaughn at Maryland. Owen Vaughn at, at Rutgers. Maryland. He's a good Owen coach. Owen at Rutgers. Bolt at Nebraska. Tracy and Smith. Tracy Smith. A big one. Yep. Tracy Smith at Michigan. 
those guys are top-tier coaches, period. And the coach at Indiana ain't bad. What about that? Uh, what about that guy Michigan at Purdue? State. Yeah. What about they? What they? What's that shithead's name at Purdue? Goff. <laughs> Sleazeball. Keep him at Purdue. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Okay. We have like five minutes left, and a little while ago, Kevin came in with a comment that we're going to discuss at the end of this show, and he says. Should we be sad or joyful for Gary Barta's retirement? If you don't know, Gary Barta is the athletic director at Iowa up until, I think, July or something, August. August and then 1. he's going to retire after 17 years. So what do you guys think? Should we be sad, Todd? Should we be sad or joyful that he's retiring? Um. <laughs> Gary Barta has cost the University of Iowa and the taxpayers of the great state of Iowa millions of dollars because of decisions that he has made that has put him in conflict with Title IX and civil rights legislation in the last 10 years. I mean, in my opinion, and I understand Gary Barta, you know, he was on this selection committee and that selection committee. He's a buffoon. And, you know, he's, he's, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's anti-women. Um, with the way that he's handled some women's athletic issues at the University of Iowa. Um, there was a time when the University of Iowa was so far ahead of the curve with women's athletics when they had a men's athletics director and a women's athletic director. Dr. Christine Grant was the women athletic director at Iowa and she built the women's program into one of the premier programs in the country. And then they consolidated with Gary Barta. <laughs> and he has been sued by darn near every women's program that, that Iowa fields. So what has Gary Barta done for Iowa? Well, maybe a few facilities upgrades, and he stood by Captain Kirk. Um, he has been a loyal subordinate to Captain Kirk. <laughs> Captain Kirk runs, he runs the athletic program at Iowa. Gary Bart is the public face. So is that the next step? No. I mean, realistically, who do you replace Gary Barta with? Talking some gal from Ball State. Oh, come on. It's it's Kirk Ferenz. You know it is. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, listen, Gary Barta has provided us with hours and hours and hours of entertainment. I mean, we you can turn on you look up at Netflix and goes, there's nothing to watch. What did Gary Barta do today? And bam, there you go. <laughs> He's better than 17, you know. James Boardman brings up Sean Eichorst. Yeah, Sean Eichorst was terrible, but I don't think Sean Eichorst got sued by everybody. You know what I mean? He was a bad Sean Eichorst was a bad athletic director for Nebraska, but he he did not cost us millions and millions of dollars in lawsuits and you know he's Gary Barta was on a whole different level so should we be joyful or sad Aaron what do you think I just want to know who uh, Brian Friends has to report to now yeah <laughs> not going to exactly. get that same who, deal who was going to be the boss of Brian yeah who's who are they going to hire to be Brian's boss <laughs> <laughs> And I here's the thing about that. I if you're a if you're a person looking in an athletic director position, do you really want to come into that situation? I mean, I realize that if you're the person they're talking about from Ball State to step up to the Big Ten is a huge leap for your career, but at the same time, you're going to be basically a, a puppet on a string in a, in a lot of ways. Do you really want to do that as a career move? Well, I don't think you'd be better than the guy that you replaced in some aspects like that. 
James Boardman comes back. James Boardman comes back and says, "No, I'm suggesting him for the Iowa job." Sean Eichhorst. That would be. I. I yes, that would be the. Thank but, you, James. Here's the deal. Don't think that Kirk Ferentz is untouchable at Iowa. Kirk Ferentz is untouchable at Iowa because of Gary Barta. Gary has provided him the cover. He's provided him, you know, with undying loyalty. You remove Gary Barta from the picture, and Kirk Ferentz doesn't have the kind of support beyond Gary Barta that that people from the outside think he has. He's not uh, a, a favorite of the boosters. He's not. And he's not a favorite of Joe average season ticket holder. <laughs> so we he's should be not. sad. We should be sad. I think we should be sad from the standpoint that they could in five years, they could be rid of Kirk Ferentz. And who knows where they may end up. <laughs> okay. Do you, is there anything else that we didn't cover on baseball? Is a baseball program in good hands? I think so. And can I share you with you my favorite quote from the post-game press conferences? Yes. Other than as Shea Shanneman graduated. Uh, they asked, because Maryland won the Big Ten regular season last year and then uh, didn't do anything in the tournament. And so they asked Rob Vaughn kind of two different questions kind of in the same vein and asked him why he, they, why he thinks they did better this year. And he said, kind of alluding to the fact that they didn't do great against Michigan State. They had a real bad game that first one. And then he said, you come, we played a much better brand of baseball this year. When you get in front of 10,000 Cornersker fans, it's easy to flip that switch because the fans came out for both of those games. And then they also had to play in front of, unfortunately, I didn't see the final number. I think it was like 11,000 Iowa fans on on Sunday. So, yeah, he said that the Cornersker fans were, it was easy to turn it on once you were in the same building as all that. I I guess the only thing I'd left to say about baseball is that you know, Shea Shanneman, that, that that game that he came in against Maryland and then the bottom of the 10th inning, one freaking mistake and the ball's gone. That that part of, you know, that part of sports is just uh, – I, I, baseball, I mean, it's such a cruel game. It's a cruel game. And to watch that happen to Shea Shanneman, I think he just look, – he looks like such a uh, – I don't know – such a warrior kind of guy, you know, the look on his face, he gets that look on his face and he goes out and pitches. And I know sometimes he was inconsistent this year and it drove us nuts, but to watch that happen to him really sucked. Uh, a lot. I'll tell you what, that guy came back two days later and he pitched four shutout innings against the same team. Yeah. And that's a lot of guts. That is, and that he, is guts. Not 30 seconds before that home run. He was, Diving over our dugout wall, trying to grab that, yeah, that foul ball that would have ended the inning. And yeah, he, I think he should have taken a little more time than he just. He doesn't know anything else than to just run back out there and get back to work. But yeah, he's a warrior <sighs> with fourteen-year-old's face. Jesus, <laughs> he looks like a kid. Okay, fourteen-year-olds. I've never seen any Husker player stay around after games or before games and talk to little kids and sign stuff more than Shanneman ever. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nuts. I guess he's graduated. <laughs> we did confirm. And now, you know, I think that, that next year they will need to find, they got to, you know, Bryce Matthews and, and Max Anderson were good for their production, but uh, they're going to need to find somebody with grit. Some players they gotta they gotta have some guys that are just gritty sons of bitches that don't want to lose type of guys. And I think that's really I don't know if we had that on this team, did we? I mean, really just like or, or were they the song slash silent? Kyle Perry is the vocal one that was like that. He just okay. couldn't unfortunately his 
he's so diminished with all of his injuries that he couldn't always back it up on the mound when they put him out there. Right. I think a guy to keep an eye on next year for some of that grit might be Ben Columbus. And, yeah, I and see that. Ben Columbus and possibly Gabe Swanson. Um, but Ben Columbus seems to me, yeah, I mean, he made a comment in a press conference. He said, my power numbers aren't anywhere close to what I expected them to be or where they were at last year in JUCO. And so I had to adjust and, and adjust my approach, and I had to put the ball in play for the team. Yeah, he led us in home runs in fall ball, too. He yeah. didn't have a single one. Didn't have a single season. home run. I, hmm. I think that kind of mentality, you know, if 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 he if he has the mindset to be a leader, um I think we might see a little bit of grit out of him. All right. I think that's gonna do it. Thanks to everybody that tuned in. You know, our goal at Nebraska, our goal, my goal with Corn Nation, being the guy that runs the place, uh, is to, we. I would really like us to cover as many sports as we can. So I know a lot of you want to see football, 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 but we're gonna we're gonna try to cover as many as we possibly can. So uh, thank you for tuning in. This was our end of year baseball season review. Uh, unfortunately, Nebraska's baseball season is over, and they didn't make the NCAA tournament this year. And there you go. That's all I got. I got to figure out how to how to turn a fan on in this room because I'm about to pass out. Uh, okay. Good night, Todd. Good night, Aaron. Hey. Good night, guys. Good night, gentlemen.